Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of our Business Benchmark Group podcast series. I look forward to sharing a, a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal, I guess, interview with uh, Chris West from Fleet Plants High. This is a business that in August 2015, when they started with us at Business Benchmark Group in August 2015, they were a $27 million business with 150 trucks out on the road. And Chris, the leader of that business, used to have 80 missed calls a day, let alone the the 100 to 150 he was taking. And he was um, the proverbial blue blue slash 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 fly running around chasing tail and nothing really getting done. Four years later, within uh, four years, by June 2019, he's grown the top line by almost fourfold and he's at $114 million with 450 trucks on the road and he has 20 missed calls by choice, that is, per day. And and, and just listening to, I guess, the, uh, the uh, sincerity and the authenticity that comes in, the sharing that Chris has for his business and his journey and what he needed to do to turn that around to save not only his, uh, I guess, his sanity, but also his, 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 his marital life, his family life, and also give those amazing people on his team a chance to step up and grow and become the business that they are right now, which is a benchmark business. So I look forward to sharing and, and hearing um, Chris West do his thing, and uh, I look forward to your feedback at the end of this episode. I'm Stefan Gazaka's Business Benchmark Group. So every so often you uh, you come across a business, you, you meet a business owner, you get introduced to an organisation. And funnily enough, um, our, uh, our interviewee, um, Chris West, is a, uh, is a referral, which is quite interesting. Um, back in 2015, I was introduced to uh, Chris from... Um, from a very good friend of his, someone that was more uh, focused on helping him, not because his business was broken or not because his business was um, on its knees, anything but that, in fairness, it was a good business. It was a great business, actually. But um, what, what's happened since has uh, gone on to become what I would consider a benchmark business, um, definitely in Victoria and uh, arguably in Australia for what it does and who it does it for. And we'll hear more about that in a moment. But here are some of the fast facts as far as what uh, Fleet Plant Hire do. And uh, strictly speaking, uh, I, I, this is the layman's um, understanding of what they do. There's soil that gets dug up, it goes into trucks, and those trucks travel at various places throughout Melbourne at this point and dump it into holes that in 20 years' time become housing estates in most cases. Right? So, this is the, uh, the business that is Fleet Plant Tire, and uh, we have currently um, 450 trucks on the road every day, and that's June 2019. In August 2015, when our, uh, when our, when our mutual journeys crossed, um, the business was doing $27 million in revenue per annum. It had 150 trucks on the road per day on average. It had nine persons on the team internally, 
and, it, and Chris, as an individual, um, had 80 missed calls a day, let alone the, probably the 80 that he was taking. So quite interesting. Fast forward um, almost uh, four years, five years, we're at $114 million, 450 trucks on the road, 33 persons on the team, and still room for more. And we have 20 missed calls a day by choice. Not picking up the phone, that's Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> but Stefan rings 30 seconds later, knowing he's gonna pick up. <laughs> Mate, without further ado, let's, um, let's do a bit of sharing. So this is Chris West. So this is a, uh, a fairly unique business in, in the sense of uh, just the sheer uh, volume of business that goes on. But in saying that, I'm more interested in the leader um, to kick this conversation off. And um, if, if there's one thing that I can vouch for is you are a very, um, you're a very networked um, human being in, in, in your industry and beyond. But you're a fair and assertive um, leader, and I guess back in 2015 when we met, you were in in, in deep doo doo on the back of how much pressure was on you, and everything was central, Chris. So I think we start from there. I mean, the business has been going since 1988. There was an opportunity in um, in, in that, that that was there for the taking. Yep. You grew through the industry and took an opportunity, and then got invited to be a partner and. Fleet plant tire in, in the late 90s and what we see today is what it is and we'll talk about what happens next in a, in, in a little while but I want to come back to you and more so the mid-2000s and the, and the mid-2010s when the heat was on and, and you were central to everything. Mm. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about that crossroads specifically. <clears throat> I think um, as you're in a business and it's growing, you become uh, very much of the belief that you are the business and um, I think that for myself it was uh, not wanting to let go, uh, really holding on to everything because no one can ever do it as well as you can and um, that through that period of time it, it generally was 4am starts, 10.30, 11 o'clock finishes, the phone just never stopped, just sending emails at 3 in the morning um, and, and it just, as much as there was business growth uh, the brand through the industry was growing. Personally, the, the toll was pretty immense. Um, and you're always too busy just to do the things that you know you need to do. So um, could never set up systems to, to get somebody else on board, bring them in, um, because we'd start them and it'd almost be throw a phone, throw a pen, there's a desk, just keep going because I expect you to be able to do what I can do. Um, and that just lasted, it went on and on and on. So it just keeps propagating over and over and over and over. Um, to the point where every time you put somebody else on, you're just getting busier and busier and busier in doing the things that you probably really shouldn't be doing and trying to grow the business. It was more keeping control of the business. So what were some of the, um, I guess, the home truths, and I'm talking about home truths there, but also your own moments of, hang on, something's got to stop here, something's got to change here. And we'll talk about your target market in a moment and your, and your, and your business as it is today in a moment, but yep. I just wanted to sort of share some clarity as to you have this fast-growing business, everything's around you, and something needs to give. What were some of the, I guess, the disciplines you needed to work harder on to get 80 missed calls down to 20 by choice? 
Um, a, trusting staff. B, having a process that forces to, or allowed us to employ the right staff members as well. Um, as far as home truths go and what forces change, I think uh, divorces, the threat of divorce if you don't fix problems up, um, because it's okay to have all the, the material things and, and, uh, and the ability to do different things, but you know, going home, if you're going home consistently to a phone that's strapped to your side and, and um, you know, dinner involves 40 phone calls in the middle of it, uh, it, it sort of does take a, a toll on the family. Um, and then I suppose the, the, the thing that really sort of kicked in, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit into 2015, 2016, was following, uh, joining Stefan, and basically it was almost an intervention from our staff. So um, our staff that had been working with Damien and Stefan basically came to me, sat me down and said, enough's enough. Um, you need to let us take control and, and start really having an impact here. Um, not necessarily for myself, but really for them as well. They wanted to grow, they wanted to actually be the people that they knew they could be. And, um, and I genuinely, genuinely was holding them back. So um, that was probably the defining moment of where the business sort of then just took off in another, another plane um, altogether. So, you know, we, we, I knew that we had great staff. I just didn't think they were as good as me. And that, that was the, the, the major um, holdback of our business and had been for a long period of time. So how, um, how, how difficult is that whole, the whole process, and, and, and it's a process we all go through, where you know you need to step back and, and see things unfold in front of you that you know you can do better, quicker, and probably um, have the self-satisfaction that knowing you did it, right? So what, what was it like seeing this unfold, where you're seeing people needing to grow, and take the responsibility, but you knowing that it's just going to be a bit painful as you step back in the short term, but the long term works out, right? Talk, talk about that struggle that that period presents, because I feel for everyone in this room, and, and particularly growing businesses, and most of you are in this room, the challenge of a, uh, of a leader stepping back and saying, okay, I've got to do more owner responsibilities versus manager or operator responsibilities. What was that like? I mean. Be as transparent as you can be with that. It, it's it's um, uh, quite sad, actually, my response to that because I, I, it's something I'm not really that proud of, but I, I think everyone, they really, truly uh, answer it. Honestly, they'd probably feel the same thing. I was actually, when that occurred and um, they came to me, I actually thought, no worries, I can do that because you're gonna fail. Yeah. And, I was actually hoping that they would fail and they'd have to come back to me and require me to go in and fix a problem. Um, and looking back at it now, I sort of, you know, clearly I'm not, not that happy and proud of that, that answer, but, but that's the reality. And, and um, I found completely the opposite. They didn't only succeed, they just excelled. And, um, and it's allowed me to do other things and, and take the business in a different direction. So, um, that was probably the, the biggest struggle of just, it was just letting go and it genuinely was letting go um, to get to that point where it's 20 phone calls of choice missed rather than the 80 consistently. So, um, and, and knowing what to do. I, f I really did struggle with uh, filling in my time. So when you, when you change from being very operationally based and just go, 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 go to all of a sudden being um, sort of more, uh, owner-driven or owner-focused, 
you, I found that there was these periods of time throughout the day where I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> what am I going to do here? And, and then pretty soon you realise that you know the bank's ringing, the accountant's ringing, all of those things that you need to really go and focus on that were used to be five second fixes that would be a matter of picking up the phone to the accountant saying, yeah, look, just do it. Whatever you think is right, all of a sudden you have an hour and a half, two hours to spend in and actually really think about what that impact is going to be. Um, and, and, and there is that adjustment period of going from that, that flat out, non-stop scenario to where you can focus on the business. So just, just before we move from this point here, um, if there was anything you could share for the room, and businesses that are coming through, I guess you know, that organisational chart, evolution, and there's, there's owners that are moving into more ownership time, um, what is one tip that you could give just very quickly for the room to take on board as to trust in yourself with that process? Well, I suppose the reality of it is that whatever mistake is if you're trusting your staff or yourself. So trusting staff, whatever mistakes they make, at the end of the day, either they're going to learn from, you're going to learn from, nothing's probably going to send your business into that much disarray that it can't be fixed and, and resolved anyway. So I think the reality of it is that if you've got the right staff on board and you've got trust in them, it'll work out. Um, yeah, I'm a bit lost with that one. That's oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's that's, that, that's perfect. Allow them to fail is the uh, is the key. Yep. If you're gonna if you're gonna make the decision to step back and 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 build the discipline of not needing to step in every day, um, then it's about trust. Yep. It's about truthfulness too. Just being honest. Yep. And I see that being a critical trait of yours. Mm. Um, as human beings, forget about as business owners, we all have frustrations. I think um, one of the things that Certainly I can see in Chris and, and knowing his team intimately well. Um, um, even today, I mean, it'd be easy to just pick, pick on things that we would love some of our team members to be better at, at Fleet Plant Time. But the facts are that 90% of what they do is mm. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually better than Amazing. Good. Yeah. yeah, so that's, that, that's the key. Just trusting yourself. I just want to move across now to ideal target market. So I thought there was a few more images. Here we go. A-grade projects at the moment for this business. We're working on the Metro Tunnel. It's the biggest contract ever awarded, um, and we have it. Stage one and? Still waiting on stage two. Jesus. Imminent. Okay. Eastern Treatment Plant, Melbourne Water, BMD Urban Projects, Clydale Estate, Clyde, and they're just a handful of our uh, projects that we're currently working on. I mean, uh, we're, we're in the front line for the... Uh, the Greensboro Bypass, we're on um, so many projects that are of, a, again, an A-grade um, profile. In saying that, that, that now dovetails into the whole conversation around ideal target market. At what point in the journey of Fleet Plants Hire was the decision made that this is the type of work that we are good for and this is the type of work we need to be attracting? I think um, it was very early on. Uh, the, my other, well, my direct, uh, partner, the other director, is very, very ethical and moral, and so am I. So it was very easy for us to um, know that we would only deal with companies that were very much like ourselves. We won't deal with clients, whether they be tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier four clients that are unethical and immoral. So we believe genuinely in building partnerships with our clients, and I, and I know that's a bit cliche, but it's genuinely true, um, rather than take a quick fix. So 
we quite often refer to our target market as we, we'll go out there, we, we believe we're snipers. So we'll identify a client that we really want to work with and we'll go out and we will put everything into that, whether it be networking, entertaining, um, uh, rather than some of our competitors who will take a shotgun effect where they will literally take a shotgun, blow it down the street and the shrapnel will take out. Whoever they take out, they go and pick up and run with. That's not us. We're not interested in that market. So um, we focus on, of course, people who will pay because um, that's pretty important um, and those that have very much aligned um, beliefs. And, and again, business is quite difficult. So you can have businesses that um, may believe in your, your ethics and have your morals, but when it comes down to pricing, obviously they start looking really drilling into your prices. Um, but in general, the people that we deal with are reasonable people. And, um, and that's probably the key to it. The people there have to react well. And all of our staff are exactly the same. We don't have people that I wouldn't go and have a beer with working in our business at all. In fact, all of our staff I would consider really good friends, which creates its own issues as well. But I also know that they will get out of bed at four o'clock in the morning, open up, and they'll be there at 11 o'clock at night if required because of the relationship that we have with them. And it's and reciprocal with clients and for the staff as well. So I guess... Um being a very high profile business in very high profile projects, because if you don't do your bit, the, the projects don't go on. I mean, you're such a critical path for most of these A-grade projects at the moment. And it's fair to say we're in a once in a lifetime scenario with all the infrastructure works going on in Victoria and Eastern Seaboard Australia is uh, definitely that as well. So from a, from a business perspective with the, uh, the demands and the pressure of government projects that have deadlines and have political influence as well um, in terms of deadlines being met that is or maybe not met um, how, how do you cope with I guess the uh, the expectation as a business to that delivery that promise that you guys have made to do the work and the job that you have we're we're fortunate in that our business doesn't have a set amount of well actually to be honest with you there are no boundaries so because we are an agency we can call on any person throughout Australia that owns a tipper, excavator, bobcat, whatever the case may be. So as long as we're, they're registered or we've got our name out enough that they can, they can uh, or they're interested in the work, um, we can supply infinite amounts of plant and equipment. So um, that's one thing. The, the other side to it is knowing, again, knowing your market. So understanding that um, paying Winning a job on a small, on a, on a cheap rate is great, you'll win the job, but we may not necessarily be able to satisfy it because we've got to attract those suppliers and subcontractors to work for us on those rates. So for us, it's all about finding that, that niche that you can, you're offering your client a, a value, but you're able to pay your supplier enough money that will attract them to the project and to, to the work that we're doing. So from, from my perspective, from a, being able to, deli to deliver, we've never not delivered. So we have lost, and I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars on projects to make sure that we deliver. Um, we, once we've set a rate with a client, we do not change it. So if, if we're removing 3.3 million tonne of spoil from the Metro Tunnel, we submit rates, that's the end of it. So if our chosen disposal site has fallen over, we'll find another one. And if that costs me 5 million, it costs 5 million. You know, they have to have certainty in what we do. 
and that is a defining point between ourselves and our competitors. Our competitors will flop, change, put rates in. That's one thing that we just will never do. Um, so from a, from the, and the suppliers understand that as well. They know that once we've given them a rate to cart from point A to point B, or to sit in their 20 ton digger all day for the next two months, that's a rate, it never changes. So we have a, there's a level of expectation and understanding between subby and client, um, and it's worked really, really well for us. Yeah, and you do have a, uh, what we would call the waiting list of A-graders wanting to be on your crew, yep. and working with um, Fleet Plantar, which is a great, I guess it's a great destination for everyone to be working towards. The waiting list of the A-grade clients, definitely, and the waiting list of A-grade uh, team and or suppliers, in this case, is, uh, is critical to your long-term success. I want, to, um, I want to move back, um, back, back into the fray for, uh, as far as you and, and, and you know, where, where you are right now. You know, you're running what is definitely the, uh, the benchmark business in the industry in Victoria. There's, there's plenty of scope and opportunity for leverage in moving it upwards, downwards and sidewards across Australia and maybe even into other parts of the world. Uh, I want to talk about your decision in investing in your systems, you know, specifically your your central system there, which is you know, a proprietary software that you guys have built. Um, the decision around that and the continual investment in that, what does it take as an owner investor to do that other than millions of dollars? Mm. What did it take to start that or think that through? Um, look, initially... Actually explain it a little, just a little. The system? Yeah. Okay, so again, as I mentioned before, we run that amount of trucks and plants. So, um, if you can imagine in the, in the, I'll go back to the old days, everyone lost, every one of our staff laugh when I do the old days. We used to run paper sheets, they were A3, and they were all ruled up, and we literally used to rule them with a ruler and a pen daily. And we would start with the client, the address, um, maybe a Melways reference, who each of the suppliers were that were working on that particular project. Um, and we would do that daily. So as we grew, and it went from being 30 trucks a day to 90 trucks a day, well, every single afternoon, as we were ringing clients and saying, hey, do you want these guys back again tomorrow? And they said, yes. We literally put a tick against the side, turned the page over, and rewrote it all back out again on the next piece of paper. So it got to the point where I was literally spending three hours a day writing these out. And then you'd get the client ring up and say, hey, I ordered 10 trucks, I actually want 20. Rub the bloke out that was underneath him and start going all over again. So, the system evolved from that into an Excel spreadsheet. And so you could just do a simple copy and paste and um, have the tabs along the bottom. But back then, the, most of it was all paper-based dockets. So the dockets would come in and the girls would sit, or the admin team would sit there and highlight the actual docket off to know that we've received it. And then it would be put through invoicing. And I can still remember the dot matrix printer sitting there going, you know, it was just deafening. Um, so it was out of necessity just from time. It didn't matter how many people we put in, they just could not write the sheets quick enough. So we went to this Excel spreadsheet and then out of that we said, right, we probably need to get a little bit serious about this. And um, we involved a, a web-based um, web solutions provider to actually build this system. And it has evolved since 2006 to now where um, we're looking at service agreements. There's been so many mistakes that we've made. Uh, but the system now, we've probably spent three, three and a half million dollars on, on building eight, 750 in the last six months, just through the growth that's required. But we've, we're trying to capture two and a half thousand supplies, 250, 300 clients, and the flow on effect of all of these suppliers working on a daily basis with 
Uh, the core uh, chain of responsibility, um, which involves fatigue, mass management that we're having thrown back down onto us. Um, their payments, you know, GST calculations, everyone knows it just goes on and on and on and on. So we've built this system that basically has become our operations system, um, our admin system, credit system, um, sales system. It just covers everything that could possibly covered in our business. Um, and it just continuously evolves because people keep changing. Government regulators keep changing requirements. Um, and so it just keeps evolving over and over and over and over. But it has allowed us to become completely scalable. So we can go and set up in Perth tomorrow and as long as someone's got a phone, doesn't even need to be an iPhone or an Android, it can be anything, um, we can receive their dockets back in real time, provide real time invoicing to clients um, and we don't need another admin team, it's all completely automated. Well surmised mate, beautiful. And we've gone from about 45 days to raise an invoice to 45 seconds. Yep. Which is the, uh, the return on the three million, yep. big time. Um, on the back of that, what, what do you see, I'm not gonna say 12, 24 months for you, because it's pretty obvious what's gonna happen over that period, but yep. over the next five years, I mean, this is almost the business that in my opinion, this is my opinion, is very, um, let's call it sellable. I'm not, I don't want you to talk about that unless you want to, but, but the point is, what, what do you see over the next five years for Fleet Plantire, Chris West? I mean, you're still a very young, or sort of youngish sort of guy. Not as a rest of And uh, you are a, again, you're a very relational, charismatic leader. In other words, people draw to you. You have opportunity left, right and centre. You are an owner of this business. And um, what do you see in the next five years? Growth. Without a doubt, I think uh, obviously most people are aware that we are in that infrastructure boom and it is probably a once in a lifetime um, scenario. Although we said that when Burnley Tunnel was constructed in North and the Western Link as well. So um, no doubt we will see it again. And Melbourne's definitely changed from being a city that needed um, a reason to grow to a, a city that is just growing anyway. Uh, it self-feeds now Melbourne, which is really good for anyone in, in the construction civil industry. Um, what do I see? I, I would expect our, our turnover to probably grow another 20% over the next three years. Um, I think that's pretty exciting for us. I don't think our team will grow too much further because of the, the uh, um, input we've had in the, into the systems. Hopefully our team stays about where it is because it does, as everyone knows, gets incredibly hard to control the more staff you have on, there's so many different personalities that come in with so many different requirements. Um, yep, the business is probably in a good position to um, sell or float for that into that um, scenario. Look, it's probably like everybody else. If someone knocks on the door and says, "Hey, here you go," there's a bucket load of cash. Um, you know, you would seriously look at it. But at the same time, we are very aware of. The, um, the opportunity over that next five to six year period with where we can go and what we can do. We do feel that we are definitely innovative in the industry and we're probably disrupting it a little bit with how much we are forcing into automation. Um, and we're importing these systems from overseas now that will weigh a truck in the space of 10 seconds, uh, portable. Um, we're investing a lot into those, which is incredibly important for us. So. Um, I would just like to see the business become more of a leader, more of a, um, a go-to for innovation and, and change. 
anyone who's in the civil industry sort of does know that it, it's very archaic still. Um, everyone does the things that they were done years and years and years ago just because that's the way it's done. Um, but hopefully we can change that a little bit and sort of make a new, a new way of things being done. Um, two, two questions. Um, second last one is, if you didn't reach out, I mean, in all fairness, if you didn't reach out or if Paul from Traffic Diversions Group didn't help you reach out and I wasn't persistent with 15 calls being left on your phone back then, um, I mean, crossroads, right? Yeah. Talk to me about that. Um, it would have been a drastically different business. Uh, we would probably, we still would have had growth. Instead of doing 27 mil, probably would have been doing 35 or 40. And you know what? I would have been erupted at doing that as well, man. It's an immense effort just to get to that point. Um, we definitely would not have the vision that we have now. So uh, it sticks with me. And I was thinking about this over the past week that one of the key things that, that Stefan installed or drilled into me was um, the org chart. The org chart is critical in any business. In ours, it was super critical. But remember Stefan sitting there saying, okay, this is what you're turning over now. What does it look like when you turn over another 20 million? And what is it gonna look like when you turn over another 20 million? And I remember him actually sitting there saying, well, what happens when it turns over 100 million? And I'm sitting back going, it's never gonna turn 100 million dollars. Like we're, we're just dreaming. But when you really do start putting that thought into it, I became very um, aware that at that point, I'm probably not the right person to lead this business either because I don't have those skills and attributes of someone who can run a $100 million business. So, you know, that was probably the most critical point or critical thing I took out of all of our time together in that you've got to know at what point, A, you need to move aside, B, where you, where you see your business and what your needs are before you get there. Because if you wait and wait and wait to be able to afford that person to come in, it's going to be too late because chaos would have already been created. So Stefan was really good in sort of saying, okay, you're tracking in the right direction. What do you need to do? I need to get another person for ops. We can't have ops working at 120%. They need to be working at 80% so that they can step up and work 100% when required. And that's what we did. So that, that would, without a doubt, that has changed our business. Well done, mate. And um, what are three tips you could give over and beyond what you've already given, which has been very team focused. I appreciate that. Um, what, what are three tips you can give business owners who, again, are at the crossroad of growth, not death, growth? Yep. Uh, trust your staff. If you've employed them, they're good enough to do the job. So, and, if, and if they're not the right person for that particular part of the, job, part of the, ro uh, the role they're doing, where do they go? What can they do? You've got to get the right people into the right space and then genuinely trust them and, inf and, and enable them to make the decisions that they, that they can make. Um, I would say within that staff and sort of tied into that, we had a, a staff member that joined us from one of our competitors and we employed her as an admin assistant, um, processing dockets, thousands of them day in, day out. And it was just through pure chance that we were talking and realised that her whole background was systems. Now, Jade single-handedly changed everything we did within our business. And to be honest, we owe most of what has occurred to Jade. So, and that was just through actually sitting down and doing a walk around and talking to her as to what her, what her interests are and what she wanted to, to achieve out of being in our business 
for a period of time. So um, that would be number two. Definitely know, know your staff. Number three, again, probably know your, know your, know your target market. And then once, they, once you're on it, just never give up. Just keep going and going and going and going for that client. No one's gonna turn around and hand you a bucket load of cash when you walk through the door to begin with. But if you know who you wanna work with and who you, you, you really wanna grow your business off, don't change from that and, and don't ever deviate from that market. Well done, man. Questions, got, got a couple of moments here for questions. Um, one or two questions, anybody? Just when um, you're talking about trusting your staff, um, like probably looking back, it might happen a bit fast, but in that moment, you know, how long are you sitting there going, is this really the best idea? Like, you know, shh, I'm just thinking, like, I'm doing a bit of that, bit of that at the moment. It, it, you it, know, going, I really need to make that step, but. It, it probably, it probably person, took. Is this the right thing? Yeah, it took me probably. It probably took me six months before I felt comfortable that they were doing the job really, really well. I kept on waiting and waiting and waiting, thinking, okay, well, I've set all that previous stuff up. You're just riding the wave. Um, and then you realise that there's been 15 other waves come in that they've all surfed really well. And you think, oh, well, okay, it is moving in the right direction. So it does take a long period of time um, for that to occur. Mistakes, plenty of those mistakes that starts making. Yeah, and all you can do is really make sure that you're there if they want you to come and mm. I, I do know there was, a, well there's been a few times where I've sort of stepped in and said oh I can help you fix that. It was the worst thing I could have done because yeah. all I was doing was removing, I was taking, what's it, is there an opposite to enabling? Mm. Um, and that's all I was doing was just removing that responsibility away from them. Yeah. Um, and I had closed door meetings with people where they walked in and said please don't ever do that again. Um, so that, that we, we genuinely believe in the brutal truth um, within it, and, and that's another thing that we've picked up from, from Stefan and Damien. At the end of the day, you know, you, they, they've got to be as brutally truthful with you as you are with them. So it does take a long time. Yeah. It's a good answer. Jeez. It's a lot to learn on that. Because again, that six month period feels like six years. Oh, it, it does. does. Yeah. But you've got to get through it, otherwise you'll never progress. It'll become the glass ceiling. Yeah. One more question. Honestly, take as many clients out and get them as blind drunk as possible. <laughs> That's called relationships. I, I, look, it, it's, it's true. We, I spend a packet of money on entertaining clients. And um, the only thing that I would say that we do slightly different from most people is we don't necessarily entertain a wide range of people. So through the entertaining and growing of relationships, we identify people again that work really, really well with us, have the same core values, and it's generally the same people at our functions over and over and over with maybe one or two new people within. But each of those people that are there are either key decision makers um, or um, people that we've, we have grown a business with for such a long period of time. But they all know what to expect with me, as does Damien's wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, let me just explain that very quickly. I'll explain that a little bit further. We were at a function not so long ago and um, this lady came up and introduced herself and it was actually Damien's wife and she then, dis she then partied with us a little bit longer. Um, it, it was all good. <laughs> I did wake up the next morning thinking, what did I say about Damien, though? <laughs> um, but that, look, we, we, we found that, that, and again, civil industry is very much, I think most people like to be um, wine and dined and, and, um, and made to feel incredibly special, but the, industry, the civil industry does sort of uh, open itself to that because it's predominantly blokey and, you know, you can take them to the races, you can take them to, to functions at the casino, you can do a lot of different things with them. So the moral, the moral of that story, though, is, and you don't need to, but if you're going to do it, do it well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the pod and palmer thing, right? If you're going to do it, if you need to do it, if you feel like doing it, which is the caveat on what I'm just about to say again, you've got to do it well or don't do it at all. Does that make sense? Be the invitee, not the invitor, if you're not going to do it well. Well, it, it is, and sorry, but, like, we had... Plenty of times over the past 20 years where the par and pot was great because I was taking out the foreman on a subdivision site in the middle of lunch break back in the days when they could not have didn't have to be zero zero, um, you know, and take them to to the, the the pub for a Palmer and pot and they loved it and it built great relationships and those guys over a period of time may have become general foreman superintendent maybe they've moved up into a construction manager's role and we still deal with them now. Now it wouldn't be a Palmer and Pop for that construction manager who's been taken to functions at the casino and all the rest of it. So again, we're talking about sniper um, approach. Make sure you're not trying to take a foreman into a suit and tie event in the city because he will feel out of place and you'll never get him back. You won't get him back to the function again. And at the same time, taking a CEO out of CPB and putting him into a box at the footy with all the guys from the foreman, from, from, um, from the foreman on site, He's probably not going to react too well either. So we, we sort of had such a broad range of entertaining options. Um, and we did target particular people and put those particular people into um, those, those events. Beautiful. Good man. Done. Good on you. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back. What a phenomenal sharing that was. I guess, you know, to hear Chris's story on what were his home truths, what was it like to build that and, and, and go on that journey, the journey of fast and immense growth and what he needed to do, as painful as that was at certain times, to grow not only his opportunity within his business, but grow his team that were willing and really willing and committed to grow their opportunity within the business as well, which has ultimately provided for Chris the freedom that he needed to keep on growing the business versus working in the business you know the whole the whole aspect of where he needed to step back and let go and ultimately what are what are his tips for business owners who are going through the same process regardless regardless of where your business is at and or what it's achieving right now what could it look like if you removed your glass ceilings and I think Chris's um, sharing um, within that interview is um, testament to the uh, 
the, the, the brain damage that we cause as business owners and business leaders when we think it's all about us. So my advice to you, if you have any friends that are running a business and or growing a business, no different to you and your journey within our environment here at Business Benchmark Group, what is it that you need to get out of the way and ultimately allow others to keep on growing within and headhunt others within as well to come in and build the business with you versus you need to be everything and anything. I'm Stefan where every small business owner can achieve big business success. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03 0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.